Hey, this is Vadim from the DIY Recording Guys, episode 63 of our podcast, but it's our first episode ever with video. So if you're listening to the audio, you want to check out the video, jump over to our YouTube channel and check it out there. Today's episode is all about songwriting. We are joined by Cyana. She is a Toronto-based R&B artist and songwriter and writer-writer, and she writes these wonderful articles helping other songwriters master their craft. That's actually how we found out about her. We ran into an article she wrote on Flypaper uh, titled Seven Songwriting Rules to Break, which, which is a really great article because each of her points kind of helps you from two sides. First, it gives you the kind of traditional way a song might be written, which is helpful in and of itself. Then she also gives you some creative ways to break those rules and sidestep them and come up with something a little more unique. We get into a lot of very interesting topics here. We talk about where song ideas come from, how to manage them, how to develop them into fully formed songs. We talk about writing lyrics and some tips and tricks for making sure you're getting lyrics that are powerful and also a little unique. She has this wonderful concept of show, don't tell when it comes to writing lyrics, which kind of blew my mind. We talk about finding the right balance between being unique and still making music that's accessible. We talk about filling out the production with other bits of instrumentation and when it may or may not make sense to work with somebody else to fill out those production bits. And we talk about recording at home. So Cyana, like Ben and myself, does most of her recording at home. And there's sometimes nothing glamorous about it, but you can get really good, high-quality sound recording at home, as you know if you listen to this podcast. So we really hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes for where you can find more of Cyana's work and where you can find more work from us, the DIY Recording Guys. Enjoy the episode. You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production. With your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. We're long overdue for an episode on songwriting, so we're very excited to have Cyana with us today. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing good, thanks. So before we jump into it, give us a little bit of your background with music and songwriting and how you got into this whole mess. How I got this mess, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm probably going to pull out one of those cheesy lines and say, oh, you know, I've been singing and writing songs ever since I was little. But it's true. I think when you're when you're into music, you 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 get the signs pretty early on in life. Um, I, I did a little bit of piano when I was little and would make up Classic. little tunes. People would ask me to sing. Um, and uh, yeah, I I started really taking it seriously probably in high school when I you know, got a little bit better at songwriting. Um, if you look at those songs now, they're they're pretty crappy, but you know, <laughs> relatively better. <laughs> it's the same and for then, all of us when we're looking back, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my parents finally bought me a guitar when I was about 16, and uh, it just kind of went from there. I kept writing. Um, it took me a while to get here, though, because I, you know, I pursued a different path for a while. I, I went to university. I got a few full-time jobs. And so I'm just at a point where I'm realizing that I don't actually want to work in a nine-to-five for the rest of my life. I really do want to give music a shot. So uh, here I am just uh, trying my best to make it, as uh, as a lot of us are. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> I love it. It's a story Ben and I can definitely relate to. <laughs> 
In yeah, fact, it's almost like can. identical to our stories, right, Ben? Wouldn't you say? Pretty much. Yeah. So you're in good company. Yeah, it's it's a good sign. It's I mean, you guys are are making it, so it's a good sign for me that it's it's possible. Yeah, making it. <laughs> yeah, making it is a is a, such a strong term for what we're doing. <laughs> But yeah, we're trying, we, you know, this is funny because everyone you talk to just about has a similar path or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just so many people passionate about music, listening to it, creating it. And so it's very exciting to meet somebody who's ready to take the leap and give it a go. Right. Cause like what happened for me finally was I just realized like, I can't wake up one day and realize that I'd never tried it. Right. That would be yes. unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those are the exact thoughts I had. You know, I, I kept thinking I could, you know, take the take the path that I was originally on and and never try, and then I will probably be on my deathbed with like a huge amount of regret. And so I'd rather try and fail, or maybe try and, and succeed a little bit, and you know, at yeah. least I'll be enjoying myself. At least I'll exactly, have something yeah. fun to look back on. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you're doing the right thing. So we, we, you know, we ran into a couple of your blog posts on songwriting. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to ask you, you know, where, where do baby songs come from? I think it's time Ben and I <laughs> had the talk. <laughs> oh, I love how you put it that way. That's so funny. That just came to me. That was unrehearsed. <laughs> oh, amazing. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Where do baby songs come from? Um, oh, that's such a hard question to answer. I know. That's a terrible they, question. That's a terrible question. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> Let's just start with your songwriting process. And, you know, I, like for, I'll just tell you, like for me, I have every cell phone I've ever, uh, I've ever owned has dozens of these audio clip files. And this is, yeah. I struggle with like managing ideas and thinking like, oh, I'll remember this later. Or then like what deciding which ones to develop into songs. So maybe just start there. Like, where do you generate ideas? How do you track these ideas? And then how do you decide what to do with them? Yeah, for sure. So usually lyrics will just pop up into my head at random points in the day. It'll be, you know, once I wake up, when I'm in the shower, when I'm cooking, when I'm walking down the street. Um, I don't actually use uh, a voice notes app. I probably Hmm. should because um, it sounds like it's very useful. But (laughs) probably because I I don't actually hear melodies right away. I think I come Mm. up with lyrics first um, without a melody. And so I'll just write them as a note in my phone. And like you said, I have a bajillion different notes and they're all like like thousands of megabytes in size. <laughs> uh, every now and then I have to I have to look at a note and be like, okay, it's start it's time to start a new one because this one's getting too full and it's too confusing. So yeah, I'll just I'll go about my day, I'll write down different bits of lyrics and they come from everywhere. Sometimes it's other songs I, I heard, um, sometimes it's movies I watched or something someone said, or you know. I'm the kind of person who daydreams and I'll like make up conversations in my head with people I wish I was talking to. Nice. I used to do this quite a bit back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and so some of my lyrics would be like things I would say in a hypothetical conversation. Um, and so, yeah, then I'll, I'll take a look at all those random notes. And sometimes it'll be one line. Sometimes it'll be two lines. Sometimes it'll be a whole verse. And an actual songwriting session doesn't actually happen until I maybe already have a verse and chorus that I came up with Mm. while I was out and about and and doing other stuff. And then usually when I sit down, it's to write the second verse and to kind of polish things up and and finish them up. Um, But what usually happens is, 
you know, I'll have one note that I that I wrote maybe yesterday. And then when I'm looking for the next line, I go back like three years ago and find a line that I wrote hmm. back then. And that seems to fit perfectly. And it's in the same theme. It's the same story. But what ends up happening is that, you know, maybe this line I wrote was about one person. And then the one from three years ago was about a totally different person. Uh. And then people people think the song is about one person, but really it's about like five different guys that I dated. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fascinating to me um, because when I'm songwriting, it's basically the opposite way. Like when it comes to putting lyrics to a song, that's like the very last thing I do before so I consider a song finished. So you're coming at it from a completely different angle. And the way you're describing just, uh, you know, you get a, a lyric idea. And then mm -hmm. you combine it with something from three years ago. I, I would do the same thing with guitar riffs. And that's mm -hmm. kind of right. how I think about it in that way. But it's interesting to me to piece it together in a, in a lyric way first. I think we, we tend to gravitate towards whatever we're most comfortable with and whatever we're most skilled at or have the most interest in. So like for me, lyrics are really important. So I start with that. Um, I'm not as skilled at piano or guitar or playing guitar riffs. Um, so that usually comes after. I'm also mm. not really great at coming up with really interesting melodies, I think. So actually in the songwriting process, I'll I'll try out one melody and then I'll end up just like scrapping it completely and use the same set of lyrics and just try totally new to, mm. totally new melody. So that that usually comes last to me because it's not as easy and mm. that's the that's the part that changes the most. Interesting. Yeah, you you yeah. mentioned in your um splice blog on on writing lyrics right in front you said there's two types of people there's people who pay attention to the lyrics and there's people who don't and this is so funny because my my mom growing up my mom was the only person in my life who listened to music i liked and she was just clueless on lyrics and there was like there was some buck cherry song that had like the dirtiest <laughs> lyrics and i was of like course. Mom, how can you how can you listen to this she was like oh i didn't even hear the lyrics right I'm, Interesting. I'm not in that category. Like, I definitely listen to lyrics. But then when it comes to writing, for some reason, lyrics is like the chore to me. That's like, the, I'm like mm -hmm. Ben in that I, I tend to, to do it last. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, if maybe talk a little bit more about those two types of people. And, and I think it's clear which one you are, but just say whatever yeah. else you, you'd care to about that. I mean, it was probably a little bit too simplistic to say there's only two types of people. I think it also depends on I love things like the... that. Let's break everybody into two groups. I do that all the time. <laughs> I think it also depends on the, the genre of music, probably. I mean, there, there are mm. some songs that, you know, carry an emotion through lyrics, and that's why people listen to that song. Mm -hmm. And then there's songs that carry emotion through the beat or through the riffs or through the mm. instruments and the arrangement. So it definitely depends on genre. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I definitely fall in the in the category of people uh, for whom lyrics are really important. I don't really know why. I guess I really like stories, and I like when people kind of create a story in a in a poetic way, and then they leave some some things up for interpretation. Um, and I don't I don't get that with just music. Like I'll listen to an instrumental mm -hmm. song and. I can get a feeling, but I'm not sure what the story was, right? I can make up my own mm. story, but I want to know if it was close to what the uh, kind of composer intended. Um, so the, the story aspect is really important for me. Interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, in fact, I mean, since we're talking about lyrics, maybe we can talk a little bit more about 
some of your strategies, which I thought that we actually got in touch with you because of a different article you wrote. But I think I like this one even more because I'm a <laughs> notoriously bad lyricist. And I thought you had some really great ideas in there. Um, specifically about, you know, ways to tell stories. And this this line, which is definitely a big takeaway for me, the show don't tell concept. Can you yes. talk about that a little bit and how you mentioned like the game of taboo. And so just elaborate on that. I think that's really cool. Yes, I think that's probably the biggest rule in songwriting for me or in any kind of storytelling. Um, I used to read a lot of fiction when I was younger and, and that goes for that as well. You, you always want to convey an emotion um, through, you know, showing what that person is doing, what kinds of actions they're taking, what they're thinking. You never want to say, I feel sad, right? Like that just, <laughs> it, it, illust <laughs> it illustrates what you want to convey, but, it, but it's a little bit too kind of boring. Um, so instead of saying, I, I feel sad, you might say something like, oh, you know, my pillow is wet with tears. Not that cheesy, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the best I could come up with off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but something like that. Uh, there's a line in Kevin Garrett's song. So Kevin Garrett is a songwriter that I really like because he does this a lot. He'll take something um, and he'll just twist it in a, in a different way. So he has a song uh, called Never Knock. And he's talking about how he, I guess, goes to a former lover's house and he's uh, standing in front of the and standing on the porch like about to knock but instead of saying i'm standing on the on your front porch he says i will breathe the air in front of your door and i always i always thought that was so poetic and such an interesting way to say the mm. same thing really but you're you're saying something that's been heard before but you're saying it with totally different words mm. and so i think yeah. i think that is you know huge in in when you're trying to show somebody what's happening and how they're feeling instead of just saying it. <laughs> I think with like, you know, cliches, and that's another thing that you mentioned in that blog post as well. Um, the more you hear things like that, especially in the same song, the more mm -hmm. your brain just kind of automatically tunes, tunes out. out. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I've the, heard this before. <laughs> the other thing is, that I don't know about other people, but I'm really attracted to songs that are able to Tell me how I'm feeling or how I felt at a certain point in my life, but in in a way that I couldn't have thought of myself. So it's it's again, it's that concept of saying something but using totally unexpected words, right? So to me, it's like, and it's almost discovering that you're feeling this way. You're like, oh, that's exactly how I feel, but I I had no idea how to put that into words, and now you've done it for me, and now this is my favorite song ever, right? Hmm, like that's yeah. that's what I want to accomplish with the songs I write. Yeah, Very that's cool. a really great goal. And I definitely know what you're talking about. And sometimes I'm not even sure if if what I've taken away from it is exactly what the songwriter intended, but it still resonates with me because of the imagery. Because like like you said, you know, you can you can visualize it and you can you know, you can empathize with breathing the air on somebody's mm -hmm. front door and, mm -hmm. and just that that imagery combined with whatever it might mean for you, you can personalize it as the listener. But that I, I agree with you, those songs tend to be the most memorable.
more thing. Yeah. Uh, you're right in that imagery is so important because like you said, it lets you visualize it in your head and then it sticks better, right? Like every time I hear that Kevin Garrett song, I can actually, regardless of what I'm doing, I will drop what I'm doing and I will listen to that one line and I will picture him in my head standing on somebody's front front porch. Um, yeah. And that's why it's one of my favorite songs because <laughs> it sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So with, you know, you mentioned this idea of saying something, you know, it's what maybe captures a basic human emotion, but in a way that you haven't heard before. And this comes up in this concept of, you know, originality and being original and where you draw inspiration from. And so we also wanted to ask you about, you know, this balance of being unique, having songs that are unique and different and interesting and still being accessible and mm -hmm. for public consumption, I guess, which, you know, mm -hmm. Ben and I work in a lot of like prog genres, which are very esoteric, <laughs> don't yeah. appeal to not anybody. Not accessible whatsoever. Right, not accessible. <laughs> so, uh, so we need some help here. So maybe talk about how, how you find that balance and how you, yeah, how you navigate whether your ideas are original or not. Yeah, um, that's a pretty big, big topic to tackle just because <laughs> I I haven't figured it out yet. I'm still in the process of figuring it out. I will say, um, I don't think it's as big of a problem with lyrics. I think as as far as lyrics go, just have at it, write whatever whatever you want. Um, mm. Doesn't have to be, you know, uh, something that people might like um, or something that sounds like another song. I think that's a bigger problem with melodies and with arrangement and instrumentation. For me personally, um, I will write a melody that feels natural to me and I will write one that kind of flows out of me, but then it doesn't always sound like other songs or it doesn't always sound like catchy enough or it doesn't sound like something mm. someone would sing or something that would get stuck in someone's head. So I'm very conscious of that, uh, which is why, like I said before, I tend to rewrite my melodies a lot. Mm. Um, and I think I heard somewhere that, you know, the reason why all the songs on the radio sound the same is because people like things that sound the same. When they hear right. a new song, they want it to sound like that other song they like, and then their brain immediately thinks, well, it sounds like something I like, so I like it. <laughs> so you're right, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a balance of, of trying to come up with something new and unique, but then also package it in a way that's familiar to people. Um, so that's something I'm still mm. definitely struggling with and still trying to navigate my way around. But I guess, uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is exactly that. Find something, uh, unique, maybe in the story, in the lyrics, maybe in, in the rhyme scheme or, you know, the structure of the song, but then just tweak my melody to make sure that it's easy to, to sing, that it's easy to get stuck in someone's head. I will actually, you know, work on a song and then I'll, I'll drop it for a couple of days and see if it comes back to me, see if it gets stuck in my own head. And if it does, mm -hmm. then that's usually a good sign that, you know, other people will probably resonate with it as well. Yeah, great advice. I like that. Ben, you, you are somebody who's has a, you know, we've talked about this where you're somebody who will sit down for hours and think about, you know, little flourishes and embellishes you can add. Maybe talk about that because I know this is something that you think about a lot as a, as a producer, right? As far as the vocal parts? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, I mean, it's, well... I mean, vocals as well, but I'm assuming this is where you are adding something to verse two to make it, you know, a unique song. 
in some sense, right? Yeah. I I really am a big fan of making you know, verse two sound way different than verse one. I feel like I do that naturally. Yeah. Oh, a yeah, lot. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And I can remember this one song that I, I wrote maybe like three years ago or so. And I got like this weird inspiration from somewhere to just take the second verse like up an octave and sing it like <laughs> at a, at like, um, with like a double time beat behind it. So everything else was the same, but just those couple changes make it sound so completely different and just kind of interjects more energy into a song. And now that's like an extreme example, mm -hmm. but changing things up from verse to verse is, is, is huge for keeping a listener engaged. So I love no, doing I, things like that. No, I love that too. I, I think not enough people utilize that little trick, if you can call it that. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned in one of my articles, I don't even remember which one, that a lot of people struggle with verse two because they think it has to sound exactly like verse one. It has to have the same structure, yeah, the same point. kind of rhyming scheme and the same kind of rhythm to it. And it, it really doesn't. In fact, you know, when people try too hard to do that, they fall prey to writing lyrics that aren't as good or they, they really want to fit a rhyme in and then the rhyme works, but, but the lyrics aren't as good as they could be. And so I say just ditch all those rules, just, you know, stick to the story you're trying to tell and and write whatever works. It doesn't matter if it's the same as verse one or not. And it sounds more interesting that way too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I did I did find that comforting actually in your article when you, you talked <laughs> about like the the problem of verse two, because honestly I thought I was like alone in that for some reason. Very often when when I'm trying to write lyrics. I feel like verse one comes easily. You kind of, because mm -hmm. a lot of times that's the idea. That's like the, the starting point of the song. And then the chorus, I don't know. The chorus is the chorus. The chorus can be a little cheesier <laughs> because music can drive it. But verse two, it always gets stuck. So give yeah. us some tips for, for verse two. Great point. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of like what I just said. Um, I think when you're trying to make verse two, you know, as engaging as verse one, you really have to prioritize the story and and really prioritize the message you're saying as opposed to, you know, all the things that you did in verse one. So don't worry about sticking to the same rhyming scheme or, or structure or rhythm or anything. Just write the words that, that come to you, write the message that you want to say, and then take it from there. And, you know, the, the instruments and the arrangement can support that too. If you feel like something is too different, your lyrics are too different, your melody is too different, make it obviously different, like throw a different beat on it, throw a different instrument on it. Um, you know, there's tons of little tricks you can do, like take out the bass completely, take out the drums completely, mm -hmm. just almost shove it in someone's face that this is different and you're going to accept it. And most of the time, at least in the songs that I hear, that's actually really refreshing, right? It's, yeah. it's oh, yeah, nice definitely. to hear something interesting, it keeps the listener engaged, keeps them kind of interested uh, through the through the entire song. I think you jolted yeah. my memory when you were just saying that, um, and I can't remember what song it was, but there was a song I was listening to where uh, a later verse is just all stripped down and it's just like vocal acoustic guitar. And I didn't even realize it when I was listening to it at the first time, but listening back, I realized, oh my gosh, those are the same lyrics as the first verse and I didn't even realize it because it sounded completely different. So yeah, just changing it up like that can mm. like completely change the vibe, even if it's the same lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. 
the uh, the other thing that I wrote about in that article was changing up the the chords and the chord progression, even the key. Um, that's something that I've been trying to do in my songs lately, um, and it's surprisingly rare. Like for that article, I tried to include at least one example of a song that does that, and I actually had a lot of trouble finding a song. <laughs> I had to go on Instagram. I had to ask people to like, <laughs> give me suggestions. Um, because not a lot of people do that, but it's such a cool trick. I think it's it's like a, a version of reharmonization um, yeah. where people just keep the same melody but change up the chords. And I think it, it can just totally change up the vibe of the song and the energy, especially if you've got, you know, lyrics that are a little bit different in their energy and, and your message changed a little bit. Maybe, you know, you were sad in the first verse and now you're like having your comeback moment or maybe maybe it's a different perspective. Maybe the first verse was from one person's perspective and the second one is, is a different perspective. Like your your music can support that. And so I think changing up the chords is a really cool thing to do and, and more people should definitely take advantage of it. Yeah, maybe related to that, yeah, but not exactly yeah, but... that thing. Um, uh, the band Muse, like I love them for doing stuff like that because they'll do these chord progressions mm. that are, they'll, um, they'll like not play, they'll play in a, a chord progression that's constantly modulating, and mm -hmm. I think I think um, Matthew Bellamy, their their lead guitar player and piano player, he's classically trained, so he probably knows a lot more of the theory behind what he's doing, and is able to just kind of pull from that. But I find listening to those songs very interesting because he doesn't just stay in the same like key signature for even a verse. He's doing this uh weird modulating where i don't i think you might be following the circle of fifths and just like mm -hmm. substituting new root notes and but the vocal melody stays the same and it just gives you this really uh mm -hmm. interesting vibe that goes behind it i think um queen did the same thing in a lot of yeah. their songs i mean mm. yeah i i think it's it's done quite a bit in like rock and progressive rock i don't mm. listen to a lot of that kind of music so i i i wouldn't know but i I do think it's a cool tool that could be brought over to other genres, and I, I don't know why people don't use it enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I like point. that concept a lot. I mean, having like an anchor as a, a vocal melody as an anchor and playing with everything around it is uh, definitely an interesting concept. I think lyric-wise, I think one of the things you said was to, you just said it here again, is to let the story lead the way, which I think is a, mm -hmm. is a key point. Um, focus less on you know rhyme schemes and um, and whatever mm -hmm. else, and let the story lead the way is uh, is definitely a great tip. So okay, so you have your song idea. Maybe talk a little bit about your workflow once you're ready to start. You know, you're out of the cell phone now. You're ready to start laying <laughs> down some ideas in a DAW. How do you go about it? Yeah, so once I'm ready to kind of start laying things out, um, I'll go into Ableton, that's the DAW I use, and I'll mm. connect my uh, piano keyboard to it, and I'll just start um, playing around. Um, the nice thing about using a DAW like that is I'm not a great piano player, so I even especially with the songs that I just wrote, I can't even remember what chord I'm supposed to play next or what, you know, the idea that I had two minutes ago. So I, I don't usually kind of sit down and play the whole thing through. I'll sit down and I'll play like two chords and then I'll, I'll mess up the third one, but I can go back into Ableton and just fix yep. that real quick. And it, it just kind of speeds things up for me. Um, or maybe, you know, I'm, I'm ready to record the vocals for the second verse. I'm not going to play it again. I'm just going to copy it from the first yep. verse and, Same. Yeah. and paste it in. <laughs> so exactly. it makes it, it makes things easier um, in that way. 
And then, uh, yeah, I'll record vocals next and then I'll just kind of start playing around with some production things after, after all that. <laughs> but what's your starting point before when you said when you're ready? I think you, maybe you mentioned it as like when you have maybe a verse, a chorus, you have the melodies laid out. And then is, is that your starting point for when it's like, okay, it's time to start multi-track arrangements? I'll usually wait until I'm done with the entire song in terms of lyrics, because okay. there's a lot of, you know, I have like dozens and dozens of songs that I've abandoned. I, I wrote the, the first verse and chorus, but then just didn't feel like writing the rest. So I, I don't trust myself to like, start producing things if I'm not even sure if I'm ever going to finish the lyrics, right? So I wait until I'm done most of the time. If you sit on it for a day or two and then come back to it and you still get that feeling or a better feeling, mm -hmm. I think that's whenever <laughs> I know, okay, this is good to keep. Because sometimes you got to, at least this is how I feel about songwriting, because I mean, and to be honest here, I really dread songwriting a lot. That's why I hide <laughs> behind producing other people's music a lot. But um Sometimes with songwriting, like you're just going to have duds. You're going to have days where you just have to go through the motions. And even if you don't create anything that's good, it's good as a songwriter to be working those muscles because it's mm -hmm. just going to make it quicker and better the next time. So mm -hmm. um, I guess just not being afraid of, you know, writing something that sucks that you know that <laughs> is going <laughs> to get abandoned true. later. How much do you think momentum plays? into this because I know I've had that's a great question yeah I've had times where I'm very excited about a song and I'm thinking about it all day and I'm coming up with ideas and I feel really good about them but then if I let that sit two weeks or three weeks or a month I find like it's like remembering a dream I kind of can't grasp at, grasp it well enough is there's and I'm not sure that that point is like it's a mediocre song or I just didn't you know, I just didn't keep the momentum going forward. So how much does momentum play into your songwriting workflow? I I don't think I have the same problem because I think if I am excited by a song, I'll I'll drop everything and I'll start working on it. Ah, uh, okay. I think if you I think if you wait too long, then it becomes something that you should have continued doing, but now the spark is gone and now you'll never know if it'll be a good song. <laughs> um but for me that's a that's a good sign because you know, sometimes I'll finish songs, but I'll have lots of things going on in my life. Like I'll I'll have something that I need to do for work, or I'll have chores to do, or I'll have an event to go to, and and then, you know, you you prioritize things. And if the if the song if working on the song falls to the bottom of the priority list, then it's probably not something you're super excited to do. But yeah. when I'm you know staying up till two in the morning and I'm really excited to work on it, that's that's a good sign to me that I should keep working on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it just comes naturally. You know if it's right. Yeah. So follow-up question to that okay. then. How far along do you want to get a song? Like if you're really inspired by something, how, how far do you want to develop the idea before you feel, okay, this is okay to keep it in this state and I'll come back later. So you don't lose like that inspiration. Right. It's, uh, it depends on a bunch of different factors. And, and I'll say it's been changing a lot lately because I, I go through phases in my life. I I used to be someone who wanted to learn how to produce like 100%. I wanted to learn how to mix and master and, and do the whole thing myself. And then at some point I realized, you know, maybe 
that's not where my strengths lie. Maybe I'm more of a songwriter and more of a vocalist. So all I need to do is, you know, lay down a demo or, or put some ideas down and then have someone else make it better. So there was definitely a point in my life where I would finish a whole song. I would hmm. produce produce it entirely by myself. I would feel like it's done. Um, and I don't do that so much anymore, um, especially, well, I'm trying to work with other people right now. So what I'll usually do is, just lay down some instruments and some elements of production that I feel very strongly about including. Um, and then I kind of leave the rest up to them. And it, it yeah. took me a while to, to get to that point. Um, there was a lot of ups and downs. There was a lot of extremes where like, if, if I wasn't getting a good enough mix, I would question my whole existence and question my abilities <laughs> as a musician. And I'd be like, I want to give up. Yeah. This is so hard. Um, but I, I think it is important to really look at your own strengths and your weaknesses. And, you know, there there are so many people out there and we are so connected with everybody right now, right? Through the internet, there's yeah. so many ways to collaborate. I think it's it's just beneficial for everybody to to do what they're good at and to outsource the rest. Mm, that's so true. That's that, And maybe that's the answer to your question, Vadim, as far as, you know, how much is momentum? Like, Maybe you figured it out in the way that you just don't produce and mix as much. You just focus on the songwriting and, and you outsource that to other people. So I, I like that. I think that's smart. And I think I could yeah. take a, a note from that as well. <laughs> yeah, collaborating is definitely a way to supercharge your performances, as obviously, as long as it's the right person and you have similar yes. similar tastes. That's yes. important. I mean, that's that's a whole other issue, finding that, that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. What, one of the one of the reasons why, you know, I, I haven't really started giving music my 100% until recently is because I was having trouble finding people like that. Um, I'm, I'm just on the on the brink of things. I won't say too much because I might jinx them, but <laughs> hopefully <laughs> something happens soon. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I'll just say like, if, if your experience, if you're out there listening and your experience hasn't been good, it doesn't mean that's not a good process. It might just mean you haven't found people that you click with yet. So don't don't mm. give up on it. Yes, for sure. And also, like, even if something isn't working out the way you were hoping, it's still a good experience. It's still a learning experience. You know, I, I yeah. went through a bunch of producers that I tried to work with, and I learned from that. I learned that maybe their sound wasn't exactly the sound that I was going for and their um, process wasn't a process that I liked. Like you, you learn those things about yourself and how you want to work and what you want your music to sound like. And then you take that to the next person. It's a little bit like dating actually. <laughs> it is. Um, totally. yeah, it is. You, you, you try things on until you find that right person and then, then you get married. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Then you get married and hopefully you stay married. And yes. if not, then I guess you do something else. <laughs> yeah, that's very good advice. I'm curious. I, I'm always very curious about Ableton. Ableton is a bit of a mystery to me. So you can talk about Ableton a little bit, or I know that you are also a Splice user, which is another great resource for songwriters. So feel free to touch on on either of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I really like Ableton. Um, I tried out a couple of different DAWs uh, back in the day, but I, I like Ableton because it's simple. It's also pretty popular, so that means that I can Google anything I want, and there's a ton of information on how to get it done. There's YouTube videos, mm -hmm. there's instructions, and it's it's intuitive. So 
if you think something is possible, you can usually Google it and, and figure out how to do it in Ableton. So I like it for that. Um, and Splice, yeah, I, I tried producing without Splice for a long time, just using the kind of the, the built-in Ableton instruments and, and some like free things I downloaded on the internet. And, and they're fine for practicing, but uh, I found that they didn't really always sound very realistic. And so I didn't like how the songs were sounding. Mm. What Splice is, is basically a collection of uh, samples um, and instruments. So they have everything. They have drums and mm. all kinds of instruments and, and vocal packs and whatever you can think of. So it's a, it's a subscription. You pay, um, I think the lowest one is like $7 a month. I may be wrong, but you pay for a certain number of credits. And so, uh, so I get 100 credits a month. And I can go in and I can hmm. download a hundred samples and those can be loops or they can be individual like hits. So I can download like four bars of a nice drum beat that I like, or I can download one snare sound and then just play around with that. So I, I like it because again, it, it speeds up my process a little bit. It makes the, whatever I'm working on sound, you know, better <laughs> a problem i used to run into is when i tried producing and i had a great song idea i wasn't liking how it was sounding so i would give up on it but yeah, now with yeah. splice hmm. these are real musicians these are real sound engineers these are you know we probably know a lot of them a lot of really famous artists will upload their own uh packs to splice so you know if you have a favorite artist you can search them up and they probably have a pack on there and you can use the sounds that they use in your favorite songs and so it just, it makes your process a little bit more uh, interesting and, and mm. easier. Um, so I like it for that. Uh, so is what you're getting I'm, there, is it the actual like uncompressed wave audio or is it like a virtual instrument or something like that? I think they have uh, the option of, of doing VSTs and plugins. I haven't looked into it. So what I get is just a, a wave file. Just, okay. Yeah, it's nice because I can, you know, say I, I hear a guitar loop that I like, but it, it's not really in the right key. I can put it into Ableton and I can transpose it. I can make it yeah. slower, faster, whatever I need. But I usually don't even need to do that because in the Splice database, you can search things up by key and search them up by, by tempo or beats mm. per minute. Um, and there's there's so much stuff that you usually find whatever whatever you're looking mm -hmm. for. I always search for really obscure things like duck sound, and then you know they have duck sounds, <laughs> and then That's you cool. shift that in and you make cool things with it. Yeah. So what are you are you using just like Ableton's native sequencing abilities or sampling abilities? Mm -hmm. You have just like yeah. a sampler, and you load in the waves, and you can play them with your keyboard. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, cool. I'll 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 do that sometimes, or sometimes I'll just literally like cut a, a piece of the audio and then transpose it. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. It depends on what I'm going for. When do you get your sounds from, Ben? I don't I don't know if we ever even talked about this. I get a lot of stuff from Slate. Actually, they've been great lately um, because they introduced that everything bundle, like fifteen. It's a little pricier, but they're focused more on mixing plugins, but. Along with that $15 a month subscription that they introduced like two years ago, mm -hmm. they started releasing like loop packs, especially for hmm. electronic and EDM producers. And I'm not necessarily an electronic or EDM, but I like using those sounds a lot in my music. So they'll just like give away like 500 vocal samples like randomly, 
which is mm-hmm. super awesome. And you can just download them. So I'll get my sounds from there or I didn't know you could get them from Splice. That's pretty cool. Um, I have Splice cool. as well, but I use it for a couple different reasons. Uh, you can save your session from Studio One directly to Splice, which is really cool. Hmm. And ah. it'll back it up for you. And oh. I haven't tried the option before, but uh, they do rent to own plugins for like more yes. expensive ones if you can't afford mm-hmm. them, which is which is pretty cool. Yes. I think uh, another kind of feature of Splice that I haven't really... Um, utilize, but I think you can collaborate with people. So when you upload oh, that's a session, true, yeah. you can have other people kind of give you feedback, maybe like add their own things to it. So you can actually produce a song together with people. One concern I think people have and that has never really been quite clear to me is how things like Splice and Slate or wherever you're getting your sample packs from work in terms of copyright. So if you use a sound or a sample in your song, what does that mean? Do you Are, are you able to then you know, claim rights to it and put it on streaming services and so on. So say something about that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I don't know exactly how they have it set up, but I'm, I'm assuming the fact that you pay means you also pay for those rights. So everything is kind of Mm. royalty free on Splice. So Mm -hmm. it means you can produce a song using entirely um, Splice sounds and you can release it on streaming services. You can get royalties from it. It's, it's kind of a, a free for all. I don't know if that's the right term. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, no, I yeah. was I was wondering about that too, and I thought maybe it's only kind of like up and coming producers who use Splice. Um, you know, people like me. But no, when when you really dive into it, everybody uses Splice. Even even the big name big name artists hmm. that we listen to. Um, one of my favorite artists is James Blake. He's a he's a really cool producer. He does a lot of really interesting stuff. And so I was uh, a song of his that I really like. I think it's called Mile High it's with uh, Travis Scott. And um, I, I was listening to that song. And then a few days later, I was listening to a random kind of chill, uh, chill hop playlist on YouTube, just as I was doing some writing. And another song came up and it sounded awfully similar to to mile high and i was like "Uh oh who who ripped off who which one came out first i went into this like this uh this rabbit hole on the internet trying to look up like which one came up came out first uh who copied who is it legal and it it turns out that they both just use the same splice sounds and so that to me was was a big revelation, you know, when I realized that hmm. somebody as big as James Blake, someone I really look up to, uses splice sounds. Like that was really cool for me. Um, and yeah, it, like every every producer that I've worked with so far, I always ask them, like, you know, do you use splice sounds? And, and I always get, of course. <laughs> like it's just hmm. kind of a, a household name among musicians, almost. Yeah, that's very cool. For, yeah, so very for people who may not know, uh, you know, it sounds like a really great idea to take your dad's records and sample them, but you actually can get into some some trouble doing that uh, because you haven't requested or paid for the rights to those samples. So I think what we're saying here is because you're paying for Splice, you're effectively paying for the right to use mm-hmm. those samples, which is which is very cool. You got to really be careful using samples that you just ripped off of YouTube yeah. or off of records or whatever. Getting that. Oh, for sure. For sure. If, yeah. Don't do it. I don't know. How, I wonder how Kanye gets away with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he can get away with anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kanye can. Get he away has with enough money. He can pay. He he pays pays them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Okay, well, let's talk about now we have a song and we're ready to do the the final recordings i i assume you're recording at home so give us some tips mm -hmm. and tricks for recording at home which is very near and dear to all of our hearts yeah mm -hmm. um i mean i for the longest time i was recording in my in my closet so <laughs> they always say a uh, small space very well kind of padded so there's lots of clothing um lots of blankets if you need to um, and then recently I actually bought a bunch of acoustic foam and I put the foam inside my closet. And so now it's like a sliding door. I will slide it, walk nice. in and slide myself shut. It's very, nice. uh, like a real vocal booth, amusing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, as long as you, you have the right space and you treat it, I think pretty much anything will work. Um, I don't have the greatest microphone, but even with that, I think if you do a little bit of research and you really learn the right kind of technique and the right distance from the microphone and the right height and, and all those different things. Um, pretty much anything you use can sound pretty okay. Mm. Um, so you don't have to feel like you need to invest in like a really expensive microphone and, you know, book out a really expensive studio. Um, especially when you're first starting out, yeah. like the song that I have out on Spotify that I recorded that in my closet. <laughs> Really? So, oh, yeah. that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, I don't, I don't do that for the rest of my life. Hopefully, it's up from there, but uh, it, it can be done. So, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll go into my little recording booth and I'll just do a bunch of takes, and and it it takes me quite a while to to get a good vocal take, just because I I guess I'm a little bit of a perfectionist with things like this, um, but it's it's all good fun. <laughs> So how are you controlling your DAW when you're in the closet? Good so question. I, th the way I have my, um, my closet is close to my desk. So my laptop is on my desk. So I'll press record, go in, record, oh. and then oh come out and press stop. So every recording, you can hear the squeaky door of my closet. <laughs> you should make a, a song just out of the door squeaks. See if yeah, you that's... can pitch them up and down. That would be <laughs> that's very a cool. great idea. Um, yeah, I will say, you know, you said like, hopefully I won't keep doing that forever. And I understand the sentiment, but I did see like, okay, not that little John is like the epitome of producers, but <laughs> he's made some big hits in the 2000s. And he, I saw a picture, a video of he had somebody like singing into just a mattress that was leaning against mm -hmm. a wall. And wow. I, yeah. after I saw that, I would, um, I had like a spare bedroom I was recording in at the time in an apartment there was a futon in there and I would just take the futon and put it up vertically so that it was like a vertical V and just have people yeah. sing into the futon and it worked great. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely do stuff like that and get decent sounding vocal takes. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one more thing. I was researching how to get, um, you know, good quality recordings at home. And I came across this Reddit thread and it was linked to another one. And the thread was called how to record from prison. And then I went down another rabbit hole and it turns out <laughs> there are so many albums, like entire albums that were recorded from prison. So it can That's be amazing. done, right? Like you, you don't, we really don't have to be in a studio. You can do it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Prison cell reverb would be a great <laughs> plugin, like to get a, a convolution reverb that's based on different prisons <laughs> around the world that would be oh my god i would pay for that that'd be very cool um <laughs> great and then other than vocals i mean uh, you see you have the guitar there behind you are you recording any other instruments i don't usually record my guitar um unless it's like 
a, a sample that I that I want to create. So like a little mm -hmm. riff that I'll play, I'll do that. But I I'll, I won't do like a full um you know four bar thing or anything or a full song. Yeah. Um, just because again, like I there are there are many people out there who are much more skilled at the guitar <laughs> than me. Um, I will I will record you know using my my MIDI keyboard. Um, whatever instrument I I set up usually goes through through this keyboard. Um, and yeah, other than that, I don't really record a lot of instruments. I do record a bunch of stuff with my voice though. So once I kind of have a good lead take, I'll go in and and just play around with a bunch of background stuff, background vocals, some ad libs, um, just random sounds, and then. Hmm. Once I have a bunch of those, I'll go back and I'll start playing around with them. So for me, a big thing of keeping a song interesting is, again, like doing something unexpected. And so it's, instead of, you know, there comes a, a point in a song where you want to just start layering stuff and start, start adding stuff. And a lot of producers will just use instruments and, and loops they find and samples they find. And I want to do as much of that as possible possible with my own voice not so much in the mm. songs that you would have heard that are out from me but in the stuff that i'm working on right now i definitely you know try to take like a breath and and do something with it like put a put a decay on it or put a lot of reverb on it and, That's really and make cool. that in the background or i'll i'll record a little ad lib but then i'll reverse it so that it sounds you know it's reversed <laughs> sounds a little more interesting um, yeah. Sometimes when I don't have ideas for what ad libs to add, I'll take a look at, you know, other um, lead tracks that I did, and I'll reverse that entire thing and listen to it in reverse and see if anything jumps out at me, anything mm. that's interesting. So there's, you know, there's no limit to what you can do once you start recording your voice and and you learn the basic tricks of how to manipulate stuff in a DAW. That's a great I tip. Yeah, I love that idea because you make it instantly unique because it's your voice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. You know, true, sometimes true. sometimes a song will feel kind of empty. And so you, you get the feeling that it needs kind of like padding in the background. But instead of getting an actual pad, I'll just sing some chords and I'll just reverb them to, you know, add like yeah. 15 seconds of decay. And then there's my pad. <laughs> and it... it yeah. Maybe it sounds similar to something else, but no one has quite that exact sound, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's great. And, and in fact, I do the same thing with, I mean, my, my primary instrument is guitar. And so I will preferentially reach for a guitar to add those kind of pad synth layers. Again, the same thing with like just a bunch of reverb or whatever. I would rather do that than like do a synth because I'm just more comfortable mm -hmm. noodling on the guitar. It's just more like intuitive to me and more organic. It's more me and my rig. It sounds like you're saying you're doing the same thing. Your, your voice is your main instrument. Mm -hmm. And exactly. so, yeah, you get some, you, you, you can kind of, the voice is even, well, maybe more direct in a sense. It's just like stream of consciousness and you can come up with some really cool stuff. In fact, I, I recently just started writing again with my wife just for like our, our passion project. And what the way we've been doing it, I actually want to do an episode on this at one time, but she's a vocalist. So we sit her down. She has a fragment of an idea. We'll record it and we'll keep going over it. And she's just recording layers on top of layers on top of layers. And we see what comes out of that and we'll stack and make chords. And then what we do to build out the rest of the song, we basically end up with this massive stack of stuff 
then I'll put drums behind it. Then you can strip stuff away to kind of make the other song section. So it's like, well, we're going to strip away these five harmonies. That's going to be the verse, right? Or whatever. You can kind of manipulate things. So we started with this mm -hmm. by building a massive stack and then kind of spreading it around into, into a song. I'm glad you, you brought that up because I recently mm. discovered that this is something I should do. So I used to have a lot of trouble like coming up with interesting things to add to the second verse uh, to make it different from the first verse. And then I realized that I should just pile on as much as I want and then take stuff away mm. from the first verse and the first chorus to, to make it a little more minimal. Absolutely. Um, and in fact, this is a, a very common mix tip. Um, if when you're starting to mix a song, you start on, you listen to the song and you start on the busiest, most badass chorus in there. And you use all your mix tricks to make that sound as huge and massive as possible. And then you can strip things away for the, for the rest of the song to, you know, make the impact of your big mm -hmm. chorus as big as you want it to be. So I think it's mm -hmm. a, that's a, that's a great technique. It's the same thing with when you're writing a song. Like if you can write the chorus first, um, it can sometimes help make the chorus more catchy and more interesting. I don't know about other people, but a problem that I run into is I start with the verse and then I think too hard about the chorus and then it's not mm -hmm. quite, you know, what too I want. It doesn't, it doesn't stand out as much. But if I start with the chorus and I'm happy with it, then the verse can just be, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter too yeah. much. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Well, this is a, a great discussion. You guys have anything else you want to touch on or add with respect to songwriting or anything else, home recording, whatever you want. I've got one thing that I want to bring up that I thought was super interesting. You talked about your blogs. Um, we haven't touched on too much or at, at all today, but you talked a lot about rhyming, when to mm. rhyme and when not to rhyme. So maybe just talk about that a little bit, because for mm -hmm. me in, in lyrics and songwriting, I think I just kind of throw rhymes in is kind of a natural thing from just listening to other songs and picking up patterns, but I don't really think about it too much. So it'd be interesting to pick your brain since you've obviously thought about it a lot. Yeah, that's so that's funny you say that because it's, <laughs> it's just the, the opposite of how I look at it. I will actually listen to other songs and I will criticize their rhymes. Like I will wait for a bad rhyme so I can criticize it. <laughs> Um, nice. I don't know. We should make that a series, a YouTube series. Yeah. Oh. Sayana crushes. Yeah. That's such bad a good rhymes. idea. I need to write that down. I love that. Make the title of your of the of the series <laughs> a bad rhyme, just to you know bring it all home, drive the point home. It's, anyway, go ahead. And it's not even that like like what I consider a bad rhyme. I should clarify is one. It's it's very perfect. Like it's I don't know uh, makeup and breakup. You know, or it's. Um, kind of cliche, like you've heard it before, um, and I like to call those like taboo rhymes. Like, don't don't use rhymes that you've heard before, unless it like really makes sense with your song and with your story and the lyrics you're using. Um, the way I look at it, you should always start with your story and your message and your lyrics, and then the rhyme should kind of like it either falls together or it doesn't. It can be. It can kind of rhyme, but it doesn't have to rhyme exactly. A sign of a bad rhyme mm. for me is when it matches perfectly, but the the line before it doesn't make that much sense, or like it makes sense, but it's not <laughs> the best line they could have used. So then you can you can very clearly tell they started with the word they wanted to put at the end, and then they wrote the rest of the line. Yeah. And like that's yeah. a big no no for me. I I would rather see a rhyme that's very loose. Um, Kevin Garrett, again, I'm going to give a shout out to him. He does a lot of this. His rhymes are, they're definitely there. And 
if you were just reading it like a poem, you wouldn't notice that it rhymes. But I guess because there's music behind it and there's rhythm behind it, you you feel like it rhymes. And that's the most important part is that it, you know, it feels like it fits, but it doesn't necessarily have to fit. Do you kind of understand what I'm yeah, saying? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's more important for the, the message to fit and be cohesive than for the yeah. rhyme. And you can always tell, I mean, when you hear a song, when a rhyme has been haphazardly placed mm -hmm. or select or just carelessly like oh yeah this will rhyme you, you know you can always tell i'm seriously yeah. gonna start a list and start a series <laughs> you, should. you should you should start a list for sure that yeah, sounds like a great. fun way to spend my time <laughs> yeah 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 i think it's your... cool in music how you can like you mentioned you can stretch rhymes so words that typically wouldn't rhyme you can turn it into a rhyme and in music that's that makes you a more creative person, but if you talk that way in real life, people would just make fun of you. So mm -hmm. I like that about music, how you can kind of break the rules a little bit as far as when it comes to grammar or pronunciation. Yeah, I um I gave a shout out to a song called Pray You Catch Me by Beyonce and Kevin Garrett mm. either helped write it or wrote it entirely by himself. I'm not too sure. His name is definitely on it. Um, and that's one of those songs, like when you read it like a poem, it doesn't rhyme at all. You can't see a structure, you can't see anything. But then when you really kind of look at it, you're like, oh, there is actually a structure. And when you listen to it, the the way she hits those notes and the way that the melody flows, you can kind of hear that those words are supposed to fit together. And they do. And it's just, it's such a beautiful song. Um, hmm. And it just goes to show that like, you can write a beautiful song and not have any rhymes that really stand out. Yeah, absolutely. In Great. fact, sometimes when there's an obvious rhyme there, and you don't take it and you have something that doesn't rhyme, it's almost like makes more of an impact. When like, mm -hmm. as a listener, you're listening to it, you're like, oh, it's gonna be break because the other one was make, but yep. then it's not, it's totally different. It doesn't rhyme at all. That almost like, yep. it's almost like hits you harder in a sense. I um I almost want to listen to more rap music because I feel like rappers do a really good job with their rhymes. Um, you I know, agree. there's yeah. there's There's a lot of different techniques you can use. You don't have to rhyme the last word of every line. You can make the last word um, the same word and you can rhyme the second last word or the third last word, or you can have like a rhyme exactly, yeah. within within a line. You can have like three words in a row that rhyme. And I feel like rappers get really creative with this and then they'll have one rhyme, rhyming scheme and then they'll throw in another word and suddenly start rhyming to that next word. And it's just, <laughs> you know, we, sh we should do totally. more of that in, in other genres. And, and Isn't Eminem famous for that? Like being like one of the best rhymers, as far as it goes. He yeah. is one of the best rhymers. Yeah, they, but what, what's so great about that is a lot of times with with hip hop, it, the the beats are very straightforward, but you can change mm. the rhythmic scheme of the song mm. just by changing the rhyming scheme. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, you're rhyming like in triplets almost, you know, and you've completely changed the cadence. And I've heard that from a verse one to verse two thing also, where the beat doesn't change, but the rhyming cadence changes, and it yeah. it is it, it's, it's like oh, a great syncopation cool. there. That's um. Yeah, hip hop is is really good good for yeah. that, definitely. Another cool uh, thing that people do is when they like break up a sentence. So they'll they'll finish a line and they're halfway through their sentence. So they'll finish on a word like I, which like doesn't really make sense, but then when you hear the rest of the line and you hear how it rhymes, you're like, "Oh, I see what they did." Or they'll they'll split split up a line like halfway through a word. So they'll start saying the first syllable and then that's the part that rhymes with the next line, but it's it's not a complete yeah. word. <laughs> yeah, like I, all I those all those little well. things, I, I always appreciate cool rhymes like that. Yeah. Another thing I like a lot as a, as a scheme, one of the great things about, about songs in general is that 
and, and music in general is that you're capturing a state of mind. So like if I'm writing essays or whatever, or I'm a novelist or I'm a politician or whatever, I want to be very consistent with my messaging. But with music and with songs, you're really capturing a state of mind. So you don't have to be consistent from song to song. And one of the things I love is like crazy hyperbole. Um, like there's a, who is it? Uh, it's a Jack White band and the girl from The Kills. Um, oh, is it uh, the, uh, the Dead, Dead Weather? Weather? Is that who you're talking? Dead They're, Weather, yeah. There's, a, there's yeah, this line band. in a chorus which doesn't rhyme at all, but the song is so impactful. I just remember it. It's, it's like, I can take trouble. I'm 60 feet tall. And it's just this like, you know, this image of like, yeah. you're just, yeah, nothing can touch me. I was like, wow, yeah. that's a sentiment. And like, just that hyperbole is, is, um, is another great technique. Again, it's saying something in a way that's unexpected and in a way that's never been said before. So you can, you can say, you can like say very exaggerated things. You can give life to inanimate objects because you don't hear that in everyday conversation. So when you put those little bits into your songs, it actually makes the, the listener stop and be like, Oh, I appreciate that line a lot. I like that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, Cyan, it was a great discussion. Tell us yeah, where we can find you and the work you're doing, both musically and in the way of prose. Uh, yeah, so you can uh, check out my website. It's cyanamusic.com. Cyan is spelled S-A-Y-A-N-A. -A. Um, I usually link all the blog posts that I write related to music um, on there, so you can check those out. And then you can check me out on Instagram, also cyanamusic. And then I have a few songs on Spotify. There will be a lot more coming this year. So all right, uh, exciting. stay That's tuned exciting. for that. <laughs> Very cool. We'll definitely have all those links in the show notes as well. And you guys got anything else you want to add here? Oh, it was just so fun talking to you guys. Um, I haven't really done this before. And I don't have a lot of people with whom I can just sit down and, and talk music for an hour. So this was a blast. So thank you so much for inviting me. I had such a good time. Thank you for being on. It's it's been our pleasure. Yeah, we agree. It's it's so nice to be able to talk to like-minded people about music. And exactly. best of luck with your uh with your journey and your foray into into the world of doing music full-time. We uh hope you come back and we hope to hear more of your your stories. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you so much.